Welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, aka MFKS Radio, on the airwaves dial at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who want to like date, or wait, who, who are, like Daisy, who want to, like Daisy. <laughs> do you want to draw that again? No, we're keeping it. <laughs> who, comma, like Daisy, comma, want to, why does it say our crying about <laughs> my shirt? What the fuck is this note? It makes no sense. The words aren't even in any order. I think it was who, like Daisy, are crying about nice shirts. I feel like is what I said. Probably. Hi, hello. <laughs> Hi, welcome back <laughs> to this disaster. <laughs> Oh. Uh, so today is a Sunday, and Kelsey and I haven't uh, been in the same room as each other for quite some time. And, uh, it's a good six weeks, I Yeah, guess. it's been a while. And um, you're probably not going to hear this until like midweek, because uh-huh. we're going to record another episode after this, like a real one, of all of our shenanigans. Not this fake shit. <laughs> no, but like, you know, the nonsense that y'all are used to. <laughs> and this is our last Gatsby one because we didn't record last week or the week before. And in order for Amanda to be our guest on episode number sixty-nine, <laughs> here we go. We're gonna talk about the Great Gatsby movie today. And by movie, we mean just a single version because there's a few. There's so many. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the two thousand and thirteen Baz Luhrmann film. Yes. Which is mediocre at best. Yeah. What do you want to get started with here? Um. Actually, I, controversially, I would like to talk about how the soundtrack was all wrong. Oh, absolutely. Because so many people when that movie came out were like, oh my god, the soundtrack is revolutionary. And I was like, is it? You know what I think is most telling of that? How students hate the soundtrack. Even though they like the music. Even though they like the music, they hate the soundtrack. Because they're like, it's set in the 20s. It's the greatest time of music. Where is the jazz? Like, those are things my students really <laughs> said to me. Teens asking for jazz. Okay? <laughs> that, that's how you know it's messy. Yeah, it was, I just, and I, I remember thinking when I saw the, the first trailer for it, I was like, okay, cool, new Gatsby movie, awesome, awesome. And then I heard the soundtrack and I was like, hopefully that's just for the trailer. Yeah. And then it was not. And I was very disappointed by all of those choices. Because I felt like Baz Luhrmann, when he directed, say, Romeo and Juliet, did a great job. Romeo plus Juliet. Whatever. (laughs) Did a great job with the soundtrack in that same vein that it was like... But it worked. Yeah. But for... Because of the... Because they modernized all of it. The setting. Yes. Yes. Whereas this, they didn't modernize the setting, and yet you have, like, Jay-Z on the soundtrack. Lana Del Rey and that fucking song that never stops. And it just... Yeah, there were things about it that I just, it really bothered me. I think it's so incongruous that it actually takes you out of the film. Mm-hmm. You're like, they're running around in fucking Ford Model Ts, mm-hmm. and yet there's a black man rapping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, whereas, <laughs> which, I mean, and I mean, ultimately, if there had been, like, you know, a black man playing jazz, sure. it would have felt very much... With the right time, mm-hmm. or in the right time, because that's for sure a thing that would have happened. Yes. Um, yeah. So I was, I went into the, and I remember going to see it when I was living in Ireland, and I went into the movie thinking like, okay, all right, 
Let's let's keep a, an open mind about this. And Which is really a good mindset for all of Baz's films. Yes, yeah. <laughs> this just going to be wide open. What he, what's he going to do to me? Yeah, <laughs> and then be like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> I would like my money back. I did not consent to this. Um, and I, I remember I was there with, with Reva and Shauna, actually, because we, we went and watched the movie, and, and we were like, okay, okay. And Shauna's like a big fan of, you know, the 20s and... And Safina, the Imshi, I remember, was sort of like, okay, all right. And there were just things about it that really bothered me. There were things about it that were wonderful and beautiful, um, which I feel like we could probably talk yeah, about. But like, the soundtrack was definitely the thing that for me was like the hardest to wrap my head around. Yeah. Because it just didn't, it didn't add to anything. Whereas like, I feel like a good movie or a good film with a soundtrack, whether it's like an orchestral soundtrack or a soundtrack with like recorded tracks, whatever, the music should never take you out of the film. Mm-hmm. And I, you're absolutely right. And I think what is the detriment of that to this film is that it actually takes away from the thematic power of the book, mm-hmm. which says a message about a certain class, mm-hmm. but you don't get the same effect because the music is so distracting. It makes it feel like it's less real mm-hmm. because it's more fantasy and it's set in a world that doesn't exist. The music is very like Gatsby's parties. Sure. Whereas the meat of the story is not. Is definitely not. Is like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Would be sort of like back alley jazz music. Like exactly. in that. And then that was something that really really bothered me. Um the another thing that really bothered me, and this is like a stupid dumb nitpicky thing. <laughs> God, here we go. But, like, if this should surprise absolutely no one, is Leonardo DiCaprio's inability to close a consonant at the end of old sport. Every single time he said it, he says spore. And I remember (laughs) saying that perhaps he said it that way because nothing that Gatsby ever did came to fruition. And that was his, like, (laughs) no, but I was just, like, my only, because I was, I couldn't, it bothered me. Oh my God, I never noticed that. It bothered me so much, yeah. He says old spore every time. That is alarming. Okay, yeah. well let's let's talk about casting then. Um, I to be I thought Leo was perfectly cast. I think he was too old. I think Leo was too old. But for what he does yeah. and how he does it, I think like he, I don't know who else at that time you could have cast for I that role. I think he worked. I think he worked well. I think he's really good at playing characters who are insecure. But noticeably insecure, mm-hmm. and not in a showy way. I think he did a good job of that. Yeah. The and that that's that that first like time you see him with that smile with the like the raising of the glass oh, or whatever is just that. oh it's it's the first time I watched it with students we paused and we gave it a round of applause <laughs> because what a glorious picture there were gasps. In the mm-hmm. crowd. It's just beautiful, beautiful. And that, to me, I think is, like, the peak. Whatever we th- one thinks of is like, <gasps> Leo, that's their image of him. Mm-hmm. It's very reminiscent to me of, again, in Romeo and Juliet, when, like, of that image of Leo, mm-hmm. um, of them looking at each other through the aquarium. You know what? I hate that. that. Like, oh, I love it. I hate that. Because if someone is, like flirting with me through an aquarium, I'd be like, what the fuck? Who are you? I'm looking at these fucking fish. (laughs) Who are you? It's 
And it's in a, between two bathrooms? The wall's in aquarium? There's so many things like, that I don't I feel know. like there should be a live commentary movie <laughs> sure. sometime. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, it'd just be me laughing at Paul Rudd's face every time he came on screen. Um, next we've got Nick Carraway. How do you feel about Nick Carraway? <laughs> Not a fan of Tobey Maguire, people. White bread, boring ass, Toby Maguire. It's true. Which, in a way, though, for Nick Carraway, I know, kind of perfect. I know, and I've I've struggled with this fact, and it's true that that makes him a good one. But I can't stand to watch his stupid fucking face on screen. I can't <laughs> stand it. I think he's <laughs> bad. Oh. What do you think about Toby? Well, I think he was perfectly cast for that part. Uh, like, you know, I don't think that, um, I don't think he was miscast because Nick is kind of, you know, white bread and bland and mm-hmm. whatever. And and he plays, he does for all of the things I don't like about Tobey Maguire, and there are probably many. Um, it's not a Tobey Maguire hate podcast though, so we oh, won't. Good. Uh, fucking start one though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he plays that sort of wide-eyed wonder pretty well well yeah um and like the first time that he is at gatsby's he does like that's incredible Mm -hmm. and the way that he's like so visibly uncomfortable with like um tom Mm. and the scene with like in in the city or whatever like and he plays all of that really well his reactions are really good yeah Yeah. i just i just don't think that he acts (laughs) is my main problem well, when I think of Tobey Maguire, I often think of Spider-Man 3, and that's Ooh, my biggest problem with boy. it, is, like, I can't separate Tobey Maguire from Spider-Man 3. From emo Spider-Man. Yeah, Pete Wentz, Spider-Man 3, like, I just, I can't do it, and so... Like, the only thing that I remember from that movie is that god-awful dance scene. Mm-hmm, it's terrible. That's the only thing. And he was such a dick. Was he? Yeah, like, yeah, Peter Parker turned into just an absolute dick mm. at that point. Thank God we've got little... Little Tom. It's true. Um, what about Daisy? I think Carrie Mulligan was great. Mm-hmm. I think she was damaged and vulnerable and cut off. And I think she did a great job. That scene in the hotel where she's just like collapsing in on herself mm-hmm. while everyone talks around her is just really, really gorgeous. Yep. And I love what she does with her voice. It's low... And it's soft, and mm-hmm. it's sing-songy. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. So I think she did a good job. What about you? I think she was great. And and really and truly, that, like, that scene with the shirts, mm-hmm. like, that expression on her face is just, like, that childlike wonder. Um, and it's just, it's gorgeous. And I think she's just, she has this ability, like, you can see flashes of, like, the woman that Gatsby fell in love with mm-hmm. when he in was her. younger in her, even though she's been sort of hardened by mm-hmm. life with Tom and whatever else that's gone on. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she was great. And I like how in this film they really amp up like her playfulness mm-hmm. that the book discusses, but you don't really get to see as much. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a nice side to Daisy that to be sympathetic to her is crucial for the film because if you hated her in the film like really really hated her in the film Mm -hmm. then none of the film is gonna matter to you 
Because you're going to be like, Gatsby, why the fuck are you going after this chick? She's awful. You wouldn't care. Yeah. So I think she sold it. Um, Joel Edgerton plays Tom Buchanan. I think he was great. I think he I like, fucking I, knocked it out. I love Joel Edgerton. I think he's a wonderful actor. And I fucking hated Tom Buchanan so much. Like, more than I think I hate book Tom Buchanan. Yes. And that's a hard thing to do, because book Tom Buchanan is a raging asshole. But there's something about book Tom and film Tom, where book Tom, I'm just like, ugh. And film Tom, I'm just like, yes! <laughs> kind of, yeah. Because you get to, but you also get to see that, like, um, you get to see his, that, like, sort of brutish... Energy, nastiness yeah. like portrayed instead of just imagined yeah and so like i mean you really hate him when he hits myrtle like mm-hmm. a lot um but you see it and you see sort of the violence in it and it's like it, it that scene is so much worse mm-hmm. in the movie than it is in the book i really like his performance in the hotel but i can't get over those flesh-colored pants I mean, fucking christ um, that's from the Green Bay game, sorry. Um, from the hotel scene, they're just not flattering to bottoms. No, they aren't, I know. God. Anyway. I, I f- don't know what I was talking about. Got to hotel scene. Back. Hotel scene, thank you. <laughs> um, where he, you really see him undergo those changes of out of control to totally in control. hmm And especially when he says to... Gatsby, um, or Gatsby says something along the lines of, now I have money, so we're the same. And they change the lines for the film, and I think he delivers it amazingly. Oh, it's Sid. And Nathan McKinnon. Nathan's got a heck of a schnozzer on him, hey? (laughs) Just like a real old toucan situation. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) sorry. Tom says, um, no, she's different, he's different, and we're different, and you need to understand that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you have enough money now, Mm -hmm. you're never going to be the same as us. And he's so good and calm in those situations. Mm -hmm. Oh, he freaking nailed that. Well, I think he, like, he really kind of cuts to the core of Tom's, like, superiority sociopathy <laughs> like he's you know like I, I think I think that but he does right like yeah. I think he he cuts to the core of, of that some of that behavior mm-hmm. that that is is evident in the book you know but he has that ability to like go from like you say completely out of control to completely in control and like I feel very strongly mm-hmm. that like normal people can't do that. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah. And and so I think, like, I think that that, that casting and that, that choice sort of speaks to that. Because, like, Joel Edgerton, he was in, uh, wasn't he in Fighter? Was it Fighter? Yeah. He's just, like... Or, no. Warrior. Warrior, yeah. Warrior. That's funny. Yeah. He's so good. He's so good He's in it. He's everything. Um, Looking up his, um... IMDB filmography right now. Because he was great in It Comes at Night as well. Mm-hmm. What else? He should be in more things. Oh, Midnight Special. Did you see Midnight Special? Because I told you to watch it. Uh, probably not. Maybe how I... With Michael Shannon? Oh, yeah, yeah. Fuck, he's good in that too. Yeah. He's okay in Red Sparrow. I didn't really like Red Sparrow, but... I haven't watched it. I haven't seen... He was good in Zero Dark Thirty, that is correct. Yeah. 
Uh, he was pretty much the only good part of uh, Exodus. <laughs> I didn't bother seeing it. Oh, I sure did, and it was real bad, and I knew it was going to be real bad. <laughs> like, real bad. He's also directing now, which I think is very interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was in Bright. I didn't watch that. The Will Smith, like, fantasy Yeah, cop I didn't thing. either. I've heard bad things about it, so I just didn't. Me too. Oh, shit. That would be good. Sydney Theatre Company, he played Stanley Kowalski in A Streetcar Named Desire. Oh, damn. That would have been Oh, great. damn. Oh, yeah, and he was in Loving. I didn't see that, but I've heard Oh, it things. was so good. Was it? Yeah, he was phenomenal. He's really good. So, apparently, this is a Joel Edgerton Appreciation Podcast today. <laughs> but, no, he was, like, and, uh, yeah, as, as Tom Buchanan, like, he made you hate Tom Buchanan so mm-hmm. much. Um... But enjoy it. But, yeah, kind of, yeah. And, and, and there were points that, because he plays him so well, mm-hmm. that, like, you felt almost a little bit bad for Tom Buchanan in certain situations. Did you? Well, kind of, like, he, he, uh, he, because the book, that you don't get that sort of, that's the thing about, about a first-person narration, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. in a book. So you don't get the perspective of those other characters. You get Nick's perspective on the characters. So in the film, because it's told, it's Nick's story, but it's the action actually happening, yeah. you feel that Tom is a little bit more of a human being than yeah. he comes across in the book. Because in the book, there are points where he's very one-dimensional. Uh-huh. And it's because I Nick hates him. I he's always one-dimensional. Because Nick hates him so much. Yeah. But you do see some more dimensions to Tom. Like when Myrtle dies and yes. he's and you, crying and he's yes. like really quite upset and disgusted at Gatsby, who he blames. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got Elizabeth Debicki as Jordan. Phenomenal. Love her. Did not know when I saw what else was she in with the gold. Guardians too. Right, and that was like, and then it, and I was like, that's where I know her from, and it was really funny because it worked because mm-hmm. she she plays that so well, that like stoic. Yeah. Yeah. She's really good in the Man from Uncle too. That would be so mm-hmm. underrated. I fucking love that movie. It was great. I would watch nine more of them. Absolutely. For, like, a whole bunch of reasons. Let's also get Nice Guys too. Like, fuck. That doesn't have her in it, but it's just great. <laughs> um, oh, and she was also really good in Cloverdale, Cloverdale Paradox, which was really just fucking weird. Um, yeah, she was she was phenomenal. Like, I, I... Because Jordan Baker has that, and, like, as we've talked about, Jordan Baker has that, like... Aloofness? Yes, and her, she's perfect at it. Because she's so tall and jaunty. Yeah. And I like how in the film, the Nick says she's the scariest woman she, he's ever seen. Mm-hmm. And that always gets a laugh. Because she's, I don't know, 20 feet taller than Toby mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, Um, And the last one that we should probably just talk about very briefly is Isla Fisher. Sure. As Myrtle. Because she's phenomenal. I hate her. I, you have to hate Myrtle. No, but I really don't like Isla Fisher. I'm not a fan of her really either, but for that, she's, like, she, she, to me, she, like, embodies that, like, gaudy, sort of... Kitschy. Kitschy persona so well. Mm -hmm. Because she always, whenever I see her in anything, I always feel like she's just kind of mildly misplaced. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm like she's, she's good. She's good enough, <laughs> but like there was maybe a better choice, and I feel like Myrtle is sort of that as well. 
Oh, like she okay. doesn't, and so like for me, Isla Fisher like really works in that. She philosophically fits into that box. Yeah, because like she's in um definitely maybe, mm-hmm. and she's like the one that what's his face's character is like actually like in love with, and I'm like really hurt. Like there's you know. <laughs> Her? Yeah, like, it's coming on. Really? Okay. Like, there's just something to... And, but I found... I felt like in this, this is my favorite role that she's done. Really? Yeah, because she she plays the part perfectly. I feel like my problem with her is that she's always at 11. Every role that she does... Okay. It's just like, it's way too much. It's way too big. Like, I need you to bring it down. But in this movie, Myrtle Wilson needs to be at an 11. Because if Myrtle Wilson's not at an 11... Tom's not interested. Tom's not interested. So she's sort of playing a role in that case. And I think she does it perfectly. <sighs> I just can't get on board with her. And, like, I remember thinking to myself that, like, I might have also slapped her. <laughs> in Whoa. that, just, in that, when I saw it, like, the way she was acting, I was like, I can 100% understand. Are you blaming the victim? Right no, now? not at all. But I was like, <laughs> I can 100% understand, like, the impetus to hit someone in that situation. I'm not, like, you know, just like that I would have been like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I get it. I don't know if I'd have done it, but, like, I get it. You know? Wow. I want to talk, well, no, I just, but she plays it so well. Because I don't think Myrtle's supposed to be a likable character. Like, really and truly, I don't think you're supposed to feel any sympathy for her. No, but I think if you are... (sighs) No, the thought's gone. Jason Clark is Mr. Wilson, mm-hmm. who I think is great, but just underused, because he's not a big player in this film. Yeah. When he goes fucking nuts at the end, sure looks fucking nuts. And he's great at it. Yeah. So, kudos. He does it well. Um, but I think the best part of the movie is the cinematography. Yeah. Like, the casting's fine. Casting is fine. It's the, gorgeous, though. The, it's beautiful. Like, so many things about it are just beautiful, and like, and like, Baz Luhrmann's really good at, like, those sort of sweeping shots and yeah he's if anything he loves a spectacle Mm -hmm. and he fucking nails that for this movie when things need to be a spectacle they absolutely are oh yeah like that that scene with gatsby in the pool yeah go ahead talk about it it's great like just just (laughs) end of sentence (laughs) no but it's just but it is it's beautifully shot right because at first you're not quite sure. I mean, I mean, you know the story and everything, but you're not quite sure. Like, is he dead? And then you're like, oh, yeah, 100. Like, it's just, and just the way that it's shot and he's kind of spinning and then the camera just kind of pans out and out and out and you just have this, it's gorgeous. Yeah. And, you know, and, and all of the different shades of blue in it, like, it's just, it's and you have, so. Like, the all gold colors oh, coming it's in. so well composed. Leaves. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. But I still think the shirts are the best scene mm. for, like, everything that it represents. I think the setup of it is fascinating. How, like, the actual architecture of mm-hmm. how they decided to do it. Oh, that. yeah. Because it's brilliant. It's an insane design. Oh, utterly insane. Yeah. Utterly incomprehensible. And all, virtually impractical. Like, it's, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But, like, like... Shirts upstairs, pants downstairs? What? I mean, I guess it makes more sense than pants upstairs and shirts downstairs. Like, for... You know what? You got me there. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I, it's such a bizarre... Thing it's so ostentatious and so like, yeah, but but it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And when the and you just to see Daisy like from that angle looking up and the sh- these shirts just like, you know, mm-hmm. unfurling 
in the air, kind of like billowing curtains, right? Like, that's kind of the... Yeah. Oh, they're just... Oh, it's just so beautiful. And it's a whole bunch of different colors, and they're both just wonderfully ecstatic. Yes. Just... And For, like, the only moment in the film where, any, where everyone on camera is happy. <laughs> everyone. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Well, Nick is just playing his third wheel, just watching from another balcony, which is great. Um, I really like the scene at Nick's cottage as well. When, when they meet? Yes, like with all oh, of those flowers. God, like, it's so just unbelievable. Like, it's it's perfect. It's perfect, and it also brings laughs. Oh, yeah. Just, this is not a funny book. No, because it's so uncomfortably awkward. <laughs> yeah, and look, uh, Leo is, is great at being jittery. Mm-hmm. And when he fucking elbows that clock off, you're just like, oh, God. Like, you're just waiting for the dominoes to just, like, yeah. and then all of a sudden all of the flowers are on the ground and, like, a window is broken and the the, the roof is, like, coming down. Cause <laughs> and it, he yeah. fucking bleeds to death yeah. and makes rug. He's like, I'll buy you a new rug. <laughs> I'll clean it up right quick. Yeah, it's just... But, it, but that scene, like, it's just... It sort of shows, like, how ridiculous the whole setup is. Mm-hmm. And I think it, like, enhances that idea that it's just, like, the most insane situation. Mm-hmm. I find that when people watch the film, they, first, or only, they think that Gatsby is much more of a romantic character than if you read the book. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of scenes like that, where people are just like, Wow. Like, that's really thoughtful. And, mm-hmm. like, look at everything he's trying to do. And then you read the book, and there's so much of the kind of back alley negotiations he does yes. to make that happen. And yes. he's like, oh, wait. Excuse me? <laughs> what? It feels like a sitcom, that scene, too. And oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like, because you can walk into the sitting room from, like, two ways, right? And so, like, so Nick goes, like, into the kitchen, right? And then he comes back out, and Gatsby's gone. Or whatever, and, the, and they Gatsby's, like, all of a sudden, like, there. He's, like, like, it's just, it's such a bizarre... It's a fucking mess. But and it's wonderful. And he comes back inside, and he looks like a goddamn drowned mm-hmm. rat. That's my favorite part of Jay Gatsby, is right there. Really? Because I think all of, all of his, like, all of his, his facade is just stripped away there. Mm-hmm. And he's sort of, you know... Ooh, is this first man? I think so. <gasps> We really shouldn't watch TV while we do this. No, you're just humoring me because of the football. Um, I am. <laughs> which I appreciate. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good movie. But it's not a great movie. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, the challenge of making a book into a movie is... Like, there's many challenges. And I think that, like, they overcome a lot of those challenges, but I think they miss the mark. I do too. And I think the soundtrack's a big part of that. I think they also shoehorn in a bit of the symbolism, too. Like, yes. especially with T.J. Eckelberg's eyes. Mm-hmm. You really don't have that purpose. Yeah. Or understanding. Because there's no narration or backstory about them. They're Not just kind of really. there. They're the Valley there. of Ashes, though. So good. That's it. Like, that, all of those editing choices to create that world where you can tell it doesn't fit. Yes. Is phenomenal. And that, like, great, like, almost tableau in the hotel uh-huh. is just wild. Of all the different pieces of yeah. people and their 
postures. Yeah, because it moves and then it stops and then yeah. things like it's oh, it's great. Yeah, I think that Buzz is great at world building, mm-hmm. and that's why it feels like you know Romeo and then also especially Moulin Rouge, where it feels like a fantasy world. Yes, and I think that does detract. Yes, because it's not a fantasy world no. in the same way. What do you think about this narrative device of Nick in this essentially like psychiatric hospital processing these memories as a framing device for the film, as a way to put that narration inside? Well, I mean, he tells us the story in the book later, Mm -hmm. like after he's gone back home to the Midwest or San Francisco, where the fuck he's from, who knows, whatever the Middle West is. But, like, so he's still telling it to us later. And I think he probably did experience some kind of, you know, whatever. Psychotic break. I think he might have. Of course. Um, and I think that, like, the idea of him telling his story from there, I don't have a problem with it. No. No, but I think it adds, in, in a way, a bit of, like, unreliability to his story. Because he's recounting it. Mm-hmm. Unreliability. I don't want to say under duress, but he's recounting it in, like, an invented environment. Okay. Right? That isn't, like, you know, like, I feel like maybe there's, like, a purpose for the telling of the story rather than just to tell the story. Like, it's part of his... Processing. Yes. His grief and Mm -hmm. his therapy or whatever. I find it, when I talk to people about it, they are quite surprised and they think that Nick's, like, crazy. And that he imagined the whole thing. And the thing isn't real. And I can understand why. Because you're essentially creating a narrative about a man who couldn't possibly exist. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that it wasn't necessarily the greatest mm-hmm. choice. Because, again, just like the soundtrack, soundtrack, it kind of detracts from everything mm-hmm. else. Well, because isn't he in the psych ward because... He's receiving treatment for, like, alcoholism, I think, right? And so, I mean, probably. That's not unreasonable based on what we've seen. No. But it's also quite a long way after, whereas I feel like in the book, his story... It's like next year. Yeah, it's like the next summer or whatever that he tells it, whereas in the movie, it's like a number of years later. And he looks like shit. Yeah. Which, I guess, increases the... Um, impact that these terrible people have had on him. Although I think if I was around Tom for I don't know, an hour, I also would have a psychotic break. <laughs> <laughs> like, how many times yeah. can you say no to that man? Just be like, no, Tom! No! You are wrong! He's Stop always it. wrong. You just need, like, a water bottle, spray bottle, and yeah. you just like... Psh, 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 Every time he moves or thinks or, like, <laughs> breathes. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm glad we're on the same page on that one. Um, yeah, it's just... So, the, yeah, the thing with the movie, like, I was excited when I heard that they were making it, and then I was like, oh, Baz Luhrmann, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. But I kind of, in having that reaction, kind of knew how I was going to feel about it. And I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. On the whole, I was disappointed. I love how it's an American story told mostly by Australians. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in Australia. <laughs> But yeah, I felt, I felt like, I felt like there was a lot that, like, left 
on the table mm-hmm. in the telling of that story. And I understand, like, the complexities of, you know, telling a, a book on film. Like, I get it. And it's also too long. It's freaking two hours and 20 minutes And long. it's a short book. It is a short book. Like, and that's one of the things that's amazing to me is that, like, they couldn't even tell that story well in two hours. <laughs> it's all 200 pages. Like. A good script is, like, 100, 150 pages. But, like, look at, but, like, but then you compare that to something like Lord of the Rings, like The Fellowship. Yeah. And they obviously missed a lot of stuff, like, a lot of walking and singing. Um, but, like. <laughs> and Tom Bombadilling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, they told a great story. Succinctly. Uh, for, quite succinctly. Mm-hmm. And did it well. Um, and so if that's possible, then the possibility exists to tell those stories well. And I think that we got caught up in the spectacle mm-hmm. of the telling rather than the story. Let's reimagine it. If this was directed by, say, Guillermo del Toro. No, there'd be, like, a fucking fish what man. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not Guillermo. Yeah. No, or, like, robots or the kaiju. No, I refuse. I'm not, I refuse to entertain the notion. It's a love story between a kaiju and... Is... Fuck, what's his name? Charlie Hunnam in it? Because if so, then I'm, I'm all over it. You know what? Charlie Hunnam could do a great Tom, I think. Oh my god, yeah. Don't think he could do a Gatsby though. He doesn't have the insecurity. I think he could try at it, and I wouldn't <laughs> mind watching. There's <laughs> another Charlie Hunnam vehicle we need to find out. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, on top of the King Arthur sequels that are never getting made. Oh, oh. fuck! That sucks, though. Okay. Okay. So let's recast this movie then, with the, the, just those characters that we've okay. that we've talked about. So, I think for, we need to be, pick people that are the right age. Yes. Because Leo was like fucking, I don't know, 49 when he was cast as great <laughs> So, he's dual. Um, Agreed. And he's supposed to be what, like, middle 30s, if anything? At the most. At the most. Because the book is set in 1922. Oh, yeah. And he had fought in the war. And Daisy's younger. Like, Daisy's yeah. younger than him. And he had fought in the war. But, like, I would say he's, like, 30, probably. Probably at, max. At the most. Which means, like, Hollywood-wise, we can, like, pick someone who's up to about 40. Like, <laughs> legitimately. Yeah. Um, I'd like to nominate Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> I mean, yes, but... Um, okay. He'd actually be a good Tom. <laughs> Have you seen Eastern Promises? Like that? Just, Shit, yeah. just imagine that, like, that as Tom. Have you seen the trailer for his new movie with um, Mahershala Ali? Mm-hmm. And I saw that trailer and I was like, I, I didn't even know that was Vigo. I couldn't even recognize mm-hmm. him. Ugh. Okay. Such a hard on for Vigo. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are we starting with here? Oh, well, it doesn't matter. I should... Fix my list because in my list I put all the characters' names except for the Gatsby one. I put Leo, so that's not helpful. <laughs> okay, um, so Toby, let's start with let's start with Nick if we can. Sure. Because I think he's the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. Can we? Do we have to be text appropriate? How so? Are they all white people? No. Okay. Can we also play the gender? 
Can we cast an all female Great Gatsby right now, Megan? Sure. <laughs> can we do? Can we? Can we stick? Gen- can we do like? Can we stick to gender? Stick to gender for right guys. now, and then like maybe we'll gender bend in a minute. Okay, sure. Okay. Because I see you've got ideas. Okay. Go ahead. Um. Okay. So, it's a. This I feel like it's unbelievable because of what he looks like. But I feel like in a, an actor who could, like, play... I'm going to go with Gatsby because I'm just thinking of it now. Perfectly with, like, the insecurity bit as well. If you say Charlie Hunnam, I'm going to lose <laughs> Michael B. Jordan. And I say that from having watched him as, like, Vince Howard in Friday Night Lights. And not just, like, what he's done recently. But he also has that, like, big presence. Mm-hmm. You know, that would like, you would believe that, yes, he is this, like incredibly wealthy man and whatever. Okay. I can get down with that. Nick. Who is just absolutely so boring. White bread. Wonder bread. Um. Hayden Christensen. Yeah. He's too old though. I was gonna say like a discount Chris Pratt. Who's that? Chris <laughs> 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 Although I'm just having a thought now that like five years ago when they cast Leo as Gatsby, they should have just said fuck it and gone with Chris Pine. But anyway. What if it was like Aziz? As Nick? Yeah. His voice, I don't think. No, wouldn't quite work. No. And also there's like, mm-hmm. yeah. A robot. Oh, the dude who played fucking Han Solo in that Solo movie. Oh yeah, he's good. Would be a perfect Nick, whatever his name yeah. is. <laughs> you know who I mean. I know exactly who you mean. But yeah, that's great. He'd be a perfect Nick because he was so boring. Daisy. Um, it's a good question. You know what, actually, what's that chick from Solo, Amelia? Amelia Clark? She could be good. She'd be a good Daisy. As Daisy. Yeah. Yeah, she would be. Okay, Tom. Well, didn't we already decide? Did we? Charlie Hunnam? Oh. <laughs> didn't, didn't I was that... like, we go? <laughs> if this is like the geriatric version of this, then yes. Sure. Jordan. Actually, I'm going to say Gemma Chan. Okay. Because she was fucking great as something similar to that in Crazy Rich Asians, and I think she could rock it. Okay. Um, and who are we missing? Oh, Myrtle. Um. Who do you hate? <laughs> oh, God. Do we, we do not have time to get into that. <laughs> um. Oh, um. The girl that played Aubrey in Pitch Perfect, I don't know her name, but she would be great yes. for that. Yes. Em- no, Emily? No. No. It's oh. not Brittany Snow. No. It's the other one. Yes. Isn't it like Van? No, I'm thinking Emily Van Camp. She would also be okay, but I think Aubrey... Anna Camp. Anna Camp. Yeah, she would be great. You're right. She could do that. As that... 
Okay, that's our cat. Because when she, like, in the first one, when she, like, loses her shit and, like, throws up all over, like, that, that kind of manic whatever would be A+. Okay, so we've got, as Gatsby, Michael B. Jordan. We've got Aiden (laughs) as Nick. (laughs) Amelia Clark as Daisy, which I think is, like, pretty fucking good. Uh Uh-huh. Tom, we've got Charlie Hunnam, Gemma Chan as Jordan, and Anna Kemp as Myrtle. Okay. Okay, so, gender bend. Yeah. We have Julia Gatsby. <laughs> we have Nicole. Nicole Caraway. We have Dan. <laughs> I can't believe you're doing this. We have Tammy. <laughs> you can't. We have. Jordan Baker. <laughs> Fuck, what's the male version of Myrtle? I don't know. Michael? Michael Wilson. Okay. This is the best thing we've ever done. <laughs> you need to do more things. <laughs> okay. Julia Gatsby. I don't know. I thought you had ideas. That's why we're... Oh, God. I don't got ideas. Um... This film, though, is amazing, and I want to see how it would happen. <laughs> do you know, like, ten years ago, do you know who would have been the perfect um, Jordan Baker in, like, the other version? Julia Stiles. Because she also has that ability to, like... Mm. But... Yeah, I could see her as even a daisy, to be real. I'm going to say for Julia Gatsby... That sounds awful just to say it, but I hate it. Uh-huh. Um... What's her name? J Law. Oh yeah, okay. Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Why? Well, I have a question. If his name is Jay Gatsby, why would you have just gone with Jane Gatsby? Because I'm dumb. Because <laughs> I'm a big old dummy. <laughs> okay, well, sorry. Julie really was the first J and only J name that came to me. <laughs> There's so many. I know. Jane, Janelle. Why well, chose someone named Jennifer? Janine. <laughs> okay, Nicole Caraway. Oh, um. Oh, do you know who would also be good for the Julia Gatsby character? Would be Blake Lively. You know what? She'd be a good Tammy Buchanan. Actually, yeah. Let's go with that. That works. She would be. Actually, yeah, she really would be. Um. Yeah, she would. She's old enough. Who are we on? Uh, Nicole Carraway. Ridiculous. <laughs> Um. Oh, I don't know. We're like uh, I don't know. I haven't seen anything that like. The silence is always great. Yeah, it's awesome for a podcast. Yeah. What about someone like Tessa Thompson? Yeah. Or would she be a better Jordan Baker? Oh no, that has to be a boy. Mm-hmm. Let's say Tessa Thompson. Yeah, I can work with that. Dan Buchanan. <laughs> um, so someone who, oh fuck, that's a hard one. That's our Daisy, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I'm well aware. <laughs> and I'm that was very confused. Yeah. <laughs> You I made the list! Myself, I know. <laughs> I wrote them in a different order than the thing above. It was okay. Okay, so a boy. 
that is depressed. Kind of young and wide-eyed and... Yeah. But also cynical. Um... And who could somehow deliver the line about being a beautiful fool. Mm. Unironically. Peter Kavinsky. What's his real name? Noah... I'm writing Peter Kavinsky. I don't fucking care. But can you see it? Yes. (laughs) It'd be amazing. I would watch the shit out of that. Uh, Jordan Baker. I can also see him being really, like, enthralled by a bunch of shirts, so... Oh, a hundo B. <laughs> a hundo B. Oh, man. Uh, Jordan Baker. As a dude. As a dude. He's, like, aggressive and sportsy. And also, like, statuesque. That's a good question. I don't know. Um, um, um. Fucking blanking. Hmm. How about... Oh, what's his name? Um. I can assist. You can. You can. Um, in Black Panther. M'Baku. Him. He'd be perfect with his, like... Ooh, Duke? Uh-huh. Yeah. What's his name? I don't know. Something Duke? I think so. Right. Okay. He's... You know what? Hmm. Fucking crushed it. That's a great one. Look up his real name, though. I'm on it. Uh, and then we've got Michael Wilson. Who do you want just to really get fucking punched in the face? <laughs> <laughs> Can I cast Toby <laughs> Winston Duke. Winston. Oh, Tom Hiddleston. Fucking yes. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's better than Tobey Maguire. <laughs> okay, so for our gender bender, <laughs> Greg Gatsby, we have Jennifer Lawrence as Gatsby, Tessa Thompson as Nicole Carraway, Peter Kavinsky is on my list as Dan Buchanan. <laughs> Dan Buchanan is such an awful fucking name. Can we go with David? Just to make it less awful. Tammy Buchanan is Blake Lively. Winston Duke is Jordan Baker and Tom Hilston. He's gonna get his fucking face punched out of him. And then she buy a car. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> uh, so let us know if you approve or if you have different suggestions. Um, also thanks for listening to our garbage about Gatsby and putting up with this like, oh we need to put an episode out and let's talk about books for a while. <laughs> My books we need movies. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's all we have for that. We're gonna... Bonus episode. We're gonna, we're gonna take a little break, like, in the immediate right now, and then come back and start five minutes from now with just, like... So the weird energy for the previous podcast (laughs) is because of this one. Yeah, in case you're wondering (laughs) why we could not stop laughing. Um, yeah, so, yeah, again, thanks for indulging us, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, if there's something, another, like, book or whatever that you want us to talk about, we, we could do it. We could, but we won't. <laughs> I mean, it's possible that we could yeah, do it. We could. And we probably will. Yeah. We don't got no fucking plans. Oh, no plans. No plans. 
It's always always a sign, a good sign. <laughs> no plans. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening to our uh, absolute garbage about the Great Gatsby. God, that's what we need our new sign off to be. Thanks for listening to our absolute garbage. Done deal. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Love Megan and Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really oh. thought about stopping it right there. You should. <laughs> uh, but no, really. Thanks for listening to our garbage about the Great Gatsby. We really appreciate it. And really go fuck yourself. <laughs>